we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When you consider the events that we have seen in the last several years, of our country, at least in my 48 years of life, I'd have to come to the honest conclusion, I've not quite seen anything like it. Now the truth is, when I read in American history, I see that there were great times of turmoil in the history of our country long before you and I ever came on the scene. It's not really known to us because we weren't alive back then. Uh, But when I read history, it just seems like politics has always been a mess. Uh, We've experienced things in our churches where we have looked around and we've experienced uh, things such as COVID and, you know, all kinds of things that came with that, whether it was with the government or our own health concerns and such. And, you know, in all that time that it looked like it's been very chaotic, can I tell you, I really believe it's been a time of proving in the hearts of God's people. Because I'm convinced tonight that God is always at work. Even when we think that things are out of control. And the verse that I've read to you tonight, many people ascribe that verse and they say, that's how every preacher ought to live. They say that every preacher ought to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to broaden your thinking a little bit tonight because I want you to see that what Jesus told those disciples in Matthew 16, that's not just for every teacher in a Christian school or every preacher or every preacher's wife. I'll go as far tonight to say this. I believe that what Jesus said then, listen to me, is for every Christian. I believe tonight that God wants every saved teenager to be a disciple. I believe that God wants every Christian, I mean from the youngest to the oldest, to be a sold out lock, stock and barrel disciple. I propose to you tonight that Matthew 16, 24 ought to be the norm in our Christianity rather than the exception. And I believe that if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see people head to the harvest fields, if we're going to see servanthood rise up in our churches, it will take men and women who will embrace the message that Jesus gave many years ago in Matthew 16, 24, and that they would simply obey Him when He said, Follow me. And tonight, I want to ask you, are you following Jesus? Some of you might be humored by the question and you say, well, 
mean, after all, I'm at church on a Sunday night, not just a Sunday morning. Give me credit for something. Well, I'll tell you, you're in a good place on a Sunday evening. There's no doubt about it. But did you know that just because you're here on a Sunday night or just because you're enrolled in a Christian school, I'll go a step farther. Just because you're enrolled in a Bible college or you happen to be the president of one, it doesn't mean by default that you're following him. Tonight, Jesus is looking for men and women who will follow him no matter the cost, without a second thought, in this day and age in which we live. And so this evening, in looking at the text, some of it I'm going to draw off the context, some of it I'll draw off the text itself, but tonight I want to beg you in this day and time to follow Jesus and throw out your excuses, throw out your distractions, and purpose to walk out of this room tonight and for the rest of your life saying, I will be a disciple, I will follow Jesus. And so the first thing that I tell you tonight is this, is that I beg of you to follow Jesus through political chaos. Now I know I've invoked a subject that shouldn't probably be brought up a whole lot in churches because it's so inflammatory. But tonight I don't come to you as a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Green Party. Tonight I come to you as a Christian and I want you to hear me for a moment. We're living in a day and time in which we're seeing all kinds of things transpire in our nation. I think about this here in our own state of North Carolina. I never would have thought, I never would have hoped that we would have to beg of a senator to uphold a biblical value as the, on the eve before the midterm, but now it's going to be after the midterms, the Respect for Marriage Act, which is a bill that is totally mistitled. It's a bill that destroys marriage as God created it. But you know, there are a lot of social issues that are out there today. And there's a lot of chaos. Well, no matter what news channel you watch, somebody's always sniping at somebody. And there's a lot of cutthroat that goes back and forth. You know, there are a lot of people today and they say, Well, you know, I'll tell you, this is, there's no way that God can work in this day and time in which we live. And you know, with all that's happening in our country politically, they live so fatalistically. And do you know what I say to people who think that way? I say this to you, if you're here and you're convinced, I'll tell you the political mess that our country's in, God can't do a work. I'll just assure you of one thing, if you've come to that conclusion, you've done it in spite of what was happening in Jesus' day and time. Have you thought for just a moment the politics of Jesus' day? You want to talk about a royal mess. There was a Roman government. And that Roman government ruled over the Jews and they had a puppet, his name, King Herod. And King Herod was the go-between between Rome and the Jewish people and he was trying to win the affection of the Jews. And here was the amazing thing. The more Jew, uh, King Herod tried to appease the Jews, the more they hated him. And it was such a day of political chaos. You had a Roman overseer with a Jewish leader. You want to know what politics did back in Jesus' day? It cost John the Baptist his head. Do you want to know what politics did in Jesus' day? I'm going to tell you, it nailed him to a cross. 
I'm just here to tell you tonight, listen, you can follow Jesus no matter what political chaos is coming. Jesus told these disciples in the midst of political chaos, He said, follow me. And brother, the thing I like about the Bible tonight is it's just as real tonight as it's ever been. There were different political and religious sects in the junior Jewish culture back in that day. You had the zealots. Those were the revolutionaries. Those were the ones that said, let's storm the gates of Rome. Then you had the Sadducees. They were a compromising crowd and they tried to hold on to Jewish religion as well as to hold on to the Roman government. Then you had the Pharisees who held everything. They had all kinds of rules and plus some that they would hold and they wanted nothing to do with the Roman government. And then you had the Essene movement. Those were like the scribes. And the best way that I could tell you is that's like the hippie movement from the 1960s back in Jesus' day. Except instead of loading in Volkswagen vans and going to places out in the wilderness, they just went out in the desert and lived in hot places away from everybody. Can I tell you, back in Jesus' day, there were a lot of crazies. Back in Jesus' day, had there been major media outlets, listen, they would have had drama every single day. Here's what I'm telling you tonight. In the midst of all that, Jesus told His disciples, follow me. He didn't even bat an eye. This is what I'm trying to say tonight. If Jesus expected his disciples to follow him in his day, listen to me, Jesus expects the same of us tonight. Do not be distracted. Do not be engaged in fatalism and say God can't. I would be careful putting God and can't in the same sentence. About the only one I can come up with tonight is God can't sin. Outside of that, I don't know much else you can say. But when Jesus told His disciples to follow me, I'm going to tell you, Rome was ruling Israel. It was a glorified mess. And those disciples could follow Him anyway, and you can too. But not only follow Jesus through political chaos, but tonight I say to you, follow Jesus even though you're in the minority. I propose to you tonight that God's people have always been in the minority. That's hard for some of us to imagine here in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, but I believe it to be true. When you take this big blue globe called the world and you look around it, listen, God's people have always been in the minority, but here's what we need to remember. Our strength doesn't come in numbers. You say, preacher, where do you get that? I'll tell you where I get this. Jesus is talking to 12 men. Just 12. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to 12 men. He's not talking to the masses. And He said, if these 12 men can grasp this, it can change the world. Now, I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't take millions tonight to make a difference. But it takes people like me and you that are in this room, while we may not be in the majority, we may be in the minority tonight, but for us to understand that with God all things are possible. Some people say it's a bad thing to be in the minority. Oh, it's not. It's not. It depends on who else is in the minority. 
You know, when I read the Bible, I see Noah. Noah was in the vast minority. God is going to send judgment to the world. And everybody but, but Noah laughs and scoffs at it. And by the way, folks, we live in a day and time where you hear the preaching of God's judgment. I'll tell you, many in the world today, the late night comedians, the late night TV shows, listen, there was a day when comedians used to be clean and now it seems like everything is filthy, but it's gone beyond filth me. It's even proceeded into the blasphemous. Young people, I want to encourage you. You stay away from the entertainment that blasphemes God and laughs in His face. Because there is coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and no longer will any of that be funny. But Noah was in the minority. Everybody was laughing about judgment. But I'll tell you, when God shut the door and the rain came, the laughter stopped. And instead of the blasphemies of God rising up in the air, it was the wails and the screams. But you know what made the difference? It, didn't, it wasn't the fact that Noah joined a majority, but Noah was content being in the minority because he knew who else was there. And that was God. Gideon. Gideon, you got a big battle today. How many are you going up against? Oh, 100,000 strong. How many you got? 300. You must have rocket launchers and bazookas, Patriot missiles. No, we've just got pots and lamps. You know what? Gideon was in the minority. But God was with him as well. David, this back in uh, back in May, Brother Reem, the Reems and myself, we had the opportunity to go to Israel. We were the tour group for the ambassador. We were in the Valley of Elah. I don't know where it happened, but it happened somewhere not too far away from us. As we stood there, I was reminded that while there were a bunch of cowards up on the mountains, that there was one boy who was in the minority that ventured down into the valley, and that day Goliath would be beaten. Listen to me. Your strength is not in numbers. Your strength is in God. You know, we've gotten used to asking the question, how many are on our side? That's the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is this, who is on our side? Or I should say it this way, whose side are we on? I'm afraid there are Christians today that throw up the white flag and they say there's no way that we can live for... Listen to me, Jesus spoke to those disciples, there were only 12 of them. And ladies and gentlemen, if they could follow Jesus in that day, there's not a reason why every one of us can't do the same. So I say to you tonight, number one, follow Jesus through political chaos. Number two, follow Jesus even though you're in the minority. Number three, I say to you, follow Jesus even when it hurts. This is where I dive into the text a little bit. Jesus tells his disciples, he said, follow me. But before he says that, he says, if any man will come after me, let him, here it is, deny himself. 
Now I'm going to tell you something. I think it's just a very plain truth. Listen to me. In the Christian life, there's going to be times where you have to say no to yourself and yes to God. There are times when I, have, when I say yes to God, I have to say no to myself. I'm not always in line in and of my flesh. I'm not always on the same page. Sometimes I have different desires, different dreams, different ambitions. That's called self-will. I remember during my teenage years, I had to really wrestle with that. I had a way that I wanted to chart out in my life, and I had everything charted out. But you know when my life drastically changed as a teenager? When the day came to my realization, I came to this realization, it's not my dreams that are important, it's God's will. That's a hard place to come to. Young person, I want to tell you, if you're here tonight and you're fearful about losing your future just because you surrender to God, what you don't realize is you're about to gain the future. But I'm afraid that there are many people today, they can't be the disciple that Jesus wants them to be. Why? Because they're unwilling to say no to themselves. Some of you here and you say, well, I'm here on a Sunday night. Listen again, I'm glad you're here on a Sunday night. But ladies and gentlemen, these were disciples. These were handpicked by Jesus and they needed to hear this too. I wonder if there's some of us tonight, the reason that we can't go to the next level, the reason that we can't reach a level of dedication expected by God is because we are holding on to things and we're unwilling to deny ourselves. You know, when we use the terminology, deny yourself, we just sort of assume everybody knows what that means. Did Jesus say deny yourself? Yeah, He did. What's it mean? I don't know. Do you know if you're here tonight and you can understand the word no? If you can understand the word no, then you can learn what it means to deny yourself. My daughter Karis, who's here with me tonight when she was younger, had two older brothers, has two older brothers. And when she was younger, they made up their minds that they were going to teach her a word that I wish they'd never taught her. She just said, Mama, Dada, and now all of a sudden I watched my two boys get down on their knees. And you know how we are when we talk to babies? And we just talk really babyish. You know what I mean? I mean, if I came to you after the service, I'd say, Hello, how you doing? You'd be like, what's Brother Hook's got this creep here for? You know what I mean. Well, they get down on her face and they're like, oh, Kara, say, say, no. And for the longest time, she just look at him. And the day finally came that she said, no. And when she said that, those boys went like this. They were like, yeah. And you know, for about a week, that was her word. How are you, Karis? No. You want some ice cream? No. Do you like chocolate? No. Are you smart? No. Are you Karis? No. I saw it was just the word. It was just a word. But, you know, eventually, she figured out what that word meant. Honey, pick that up. No. Can I tell you what every one of us in this room is really good at by human nature? We're really good at saying yes to ourselves and no to God. 
But if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to be willing to say no to yourself and yes to God. There are issues in my life as a teenager. You know what? Until I came to the point I was willing to say no to myself, I was never going to say yes to God. You say, you're the president of the Bible college. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what, my life was a mess when it came to music and relationships and a few other things too. And I had to learn one by one. If something was keeping me from God, I had to learn to say no to myself and yes to God. And I'm glad I did. But you know what? I still have to do that. Some of you say, I'm here on Sunday night. That's good, but will you be here on Wednesday night? Do you know what one of the hardest days of the week is for me? Wednesdays. Now, I travel in revival meetings and I'm gone a lot, but on that week that I'm home, sometimes it seems like everything happens on Wednesday and it's about 5.30 and I get a headache and we've stepped on the dog's tail and the car won't crank and everything else is going wrong. And you start feeling to yourself, oh man, I just, mm, I think I'm just going to take it easy. Oh, I know we got church tonight, but. You know, there's times, I, and I, uh, listen, you can write me off as a preacher afterwards, and that's okay. I'm just telling how some of you feel, you just won't admit it. And you know what, in those moments, you know what you have to do? Now, I'm not saying if you're sick or something. No, that's a different story. But when you get in one of those kind of fits, sometimes you just sort of have to say no to yourself, and you say yes to God, and when you come home from church, you're glad you did. <laughs> because what the preacher told you was a lot better than what the television set was going to tell you for the next two hours. I'm just saying that if we're going to follow Jesus, you know where the shoe leather comes in when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to Him. But the last thing that I want you to see tonight is you better follow Jesus even if it means losing your own identity. You say, what do you mean? You ever hear of identity theft? People steal your identity and as a result they empty your bank account. And that, you know, you say that's a bad thing. Losing your identity is a bad thing in this world, but the way that Jesus shapes it here when he said take up your cross and follow me, when he says take up your cross, when he talks about losing your identity, when Jesus talks about it, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. I'm convinced tonight that we can't be good Christians. We can't be disciples unless we're willing to let our identity be lost in Him. Isn't that what John the Baptist said? He must increase, but I must decrease. I found that I can't go forward in my Christianity. I can't go forward in my walk with God unless I'm willing just to be lost in Him. Take up your cross. Are you willing to identify with Jesus? Are you ashamed of Him? Young people, I hope when you go out and you're out and about and people look at you and they say, do you go to that Christian school at that Tabernacle Baptist Church? I hope you don't cringe and say, yeah. Because I would tell you, I don't think the problem is the fact that you're at a Christian school. I think the problem is it runs far deeper. If that's the case, it may be that you're 
ashamed of who they're trying to teach you to follow. You don't want that to happen. People say, oh, you go to that church over there, you know that cult that believes the Bible. And sometimes we just cower and we think, listen, are you ashamed to identify with Jesus? Take up your cross. Identifying with Jesus isn't simply getting a tattoo like some people say, I'll just get a tattoo of a cross or I'll wear a big necklace with a cross. I'm going to tell you what, you take up your cross when you live for Jesus unashamedly in this present world. When you bow your head in a public place and ask God to bless your meal without any fear of what anybody else may think, that's taking up your cross. When you're around a group of people and they begin to act in a way that dishonors the Lord and you say, I'm sorry, but I've got to walk away, that is taking up your cross. Not looking like the world, not sounding like the world, not taking on the attributes of the world. Listen, that's taking up your cross. We can't be a good disciple if we're more worried about people seeing us than Jesus. And so I want to ask you tonight, are you a good disciple? Are you following Him? Or tonight should you shed some excuses? Tonight should you shed some distractions and obey Him? It makes all the difference in who you're following. When I was a kid growing up, after I'd gotten saved, I remember in our church I was a bus kid, and I remember hearing the story about a guy who was in my junior church. His name was Tom. He was in my, uh, excuse me, my junior Sunday school class. He was the bouncer. I think every Sunday school class with junior age boys needs a bouncer. Tom never taught us a lesson from a podium, but he taught us a lesson on how to behave in class on a number of occasions. Tom was a senior citizen. This is before GPS. This is before uh, Siri and all that. And Tom was driving a van, and the preacher was driving another van. They went on a senior citizen's trip, and they went out uh, into another state. They traveled outside of North Carolina. I don't remember which state it was. They went out with the senior citizens. They had a blast on the way back. While they were in that different state, the two vans got separated. And this is before cell phones, all right? I, we're just so convenient today. We just, if we don't have our phones, we're ignorant, you know, nowadays. But, I mean, you had to use a pay phone if you're going to make a call. We had no cell phones or no GPSs. The vans became separated in heavy traffic, and there was no way that they could catch back up. So the pastor just kept on going towards the church. Well, when the pastor arrived at the church, he unloaded his van, and then two hours later, Tom came with his van of senior citizens. He pulls into the parking lot, and he's very frustrated, but not nearly as frustrated as everybody else in the van. When the pastor goes to the door, Tom rolls down the window. He says, Tom, what happened? And I will never forget hearing Tom's response. Tom said, well, I'll tell you what happened. He said, preacher, when we got separated and we were in that different state, I didn't know where to go. And he said, so I kept driving until I found somebody else that had a North Carolina license tag. And I just followed him. 
Now, everybody's laughing but some of the younger teenagers. This is because they don't have their driver's license yet, all right? That's not the thing you want to do. To be honest, it's, it's a wonder it was only two hours. You realize from Manio to Nags Head, that's about an eight-hour drive plus, right? Or excuse me, from Murphy to Murph, Manio's out now, but from Murphy to Nags Head, that's, that's like eight hours plus drive. You know, every one of us in this room, you'd say, I'll tell you what, that's the craziest thing for that man to do. And you'd be exactly right, but I'm going to tell you something that's a lot more foolish than that. You want to know what it is? Here's what it is, to be a Christian in this room and follow everything but Jesus. Because I'm going to make you a promise, you'll always wind up at the wrong destination when you don't follow Him. And so I think tonight we ought to pretend, we ought to realize that the same thing that Jesus told those disciples, He's telling us tonight. May God help us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.